Hey listeners, before this week's episode, I wanted to share some exciting news. Many of you have reached out to chat personally about the business and how to move your career forward during this pause. This is important because auditions are happening again. In response, the Breakdown Podcast has created a four-week audition and business intensive called My Audition Appointment, all online. Each week, you're going to be given a different television or theater audition side, just like an agent would send. And each week, we're going to cover essential topics like how to get an agent, how to book at an EPA, everything you need to know about the Actors Union, and so many more. The intensive culminates in a showcase in front of three high-profile previous podcast guests where you get to meet them, get feedback, and ask them anything you like. Basically, get networking during this pandemic. I know we've all been out of work for literally ever, so the best part is, for this first intensive, the cost is literally literally, a fourth of what other comparable intensives are. For more information, head over to our website, thebreakdownpodcast.com, and click My Audition Appointment. All right, listeners, now on to the show. I'm Robbie, and this is The Breakdown. This week, I'm bringing you my conversation with actor Hannah Corneau. Hannah recently made her Broadway debut as Elphaba in Wicked. Other credits include Edna St. Vincent Millay in the critically acclaimed Transport Group production of Renaissance, and Yitzhak in the first national tour of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, as well as off-Broadway and regional productions of Daddy Longlegs, Evita, Fiddler on the Roof, Harmony, for which she received an ovation nomination, Les Mis, for which she won a Joseph Jefferson Award, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, and A Little Night Music. She's also a vocalist with Range Music. Listeners, I couldn't be more excited to share my conversation with Hannah. Not only is she incredibly and insanely accomplished as an actor, but she's a dear friend as well. We went to college together, lived together, and she's one of my closest friends today, and boy does she make me laugh. Watching Hannah's career grow and unfold over the years has always been so inspiring, but also a learning experience for me and my own career as well, making her a perfect podcast guest. Of course, we talk all about Wicked, and she's so honest when she talks about her journey. She talks about how this was not her first audition with the show, and what changed when she went in years later for the second time. And this time, she didn't even get a call back. She just got a straight offer to make her Broadway debut, playing the full-time role of Elphaba, never having played the role previously, something no other woman has done. She talks about what happened professionally leading up to that audition, and what that phone call from her agent was like. Something I love that we chatted about was how to take the stress off of networking. Hannah explains that it is about connections in this industry, and this is not the first time we've heard that on the podcast. But Hannah talks about how you make connections by forming a genuine relationship with a person because you love their work, or you like them as a person, and then a relationship can grow out of a shared admiration. Hannah explains beautifully that the goal is to work on projects you love with the people you love to work with, and how to go about creating and seeking out those opportunities. We also talk about the passion projects that come up when we're waiting for the phone to ring, and man is that important, and not just during a pandemic. We talk about The Rose House, a women's fashion line she founded earlier this year, and her original music. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the incredibly kind, talented, generous, and hilarious Hannah Cornell. Okay, well, Hannah, I am so happy to be chatting with you on my podcast. I mean, this has such been a long time coming, but more importantly, I'm just happy to be seeing your face and catching up with you and hearing about life and 
COVID quarantine. So thrilled. Love you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. What a world. Wow. I know. I know. You are in New York right now? Yes, I am in New York. Um, we've been here we've been here since June because, you know, we, we did leave for a bit just to give ourselves more space because we were lucky enough to do so somewhere else. And, but then we came back and, you know, I love my home. I love the apartment, you know, and I love New York too. Wow. It's an, I love New York commercial two seconds into this interview. (laughs) Hey, we don't love New York and I miss New York. I'm not there right now. And I wish that I was, but I'll be back soon enough. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, this is obviously, I don't love to talk so much about COVID and quarantine on the podcast because my hope is that when people go back and listen to these, it will not be this big, dark cloud of like what the world used to be because we will get through this and things will happen again. And But you're someone I think about when I think about COVID or the pandemic, you were kind of in similar situations, but yours is like massively more... um, much more of a big deal, but you had your, like, and I, I say that because like I was doing a play right before this, but you were doing your, you know. I was doing a small play before COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a small off-off-Broadway show before COVID. <laughs> you were doing a small off-off-Broadway play and. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. You were doing Wicked and that was, you know. I think like it's safe to say that that's a career high because it was you're playing a lead on Broadway as your Broadway debut. And that's so exciting. But I think about you because and then all of a sudden, right after you finish, which I also think it's really cool that you got to finish in your own way, in your own time, like you left the show before it was shut down, which is which is nice. Yes. But then everything stopped. Yeah. Have you felt like resentment or anger or has it just been kind of weird or has it been actually kind of nice to have it all, you know, stop or what's that been like? Well, it's a great question. The week after Wicked, I was, I was definitely popular. (laughs) No, I was, I I had, I had two auditions that I was really excited about, like so thrilled and, and of course would not have ever come about before Alphaba. And so it was just like, wow, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is, this is so humbling. This is so thrilling and exciting. But then there was also a part of me that was like, wow, like I also just need to like live under a rock right now and I need to not talk to anyone. And I just need to live in a state that's not pressure filled at all. Cause I value that. I value days that I can really take slowly and calmly in a relaxed way. And I just did not live like that for, for months. And so coming off of Wicked, I certainly wanted a break, but I also had opportunities that were coming my way that were like the most exciting they had ever been. But yeah, like you said, I was, I felt lucky that I was able to end Wicked in my own time, you know, and I was lucky that I had just finished a job that you know, like many jobs you get paid for. So I just, I don't know. Like I felt, I felt lucky with the timing because this pandemic has just ravaged so many lives and has been so tough on many. And, um, so that was a silver lining for me. The fact that I had just finished a job that provided for my life. So I was lucky in that way, but I just kind of, I don't know. I, I wanted to live under a rock and 
I got my wish. And the universe gave me a rock. And the universe gave me the biggest boulder ever. And it gave it to us all. So you're welcome. I'm a witch and I cast that spell on everyone. No, I <laughs> no, I um I was wild. I don't know. It was such an array of, of emotions and experiences. Um, and so that's why it's such a great question. And it's just such a complicated question. You know, it was there's there's sadness. There's not so much resentment because I feel so lucky to have gotten to do alphabet before this and and reached like you said such a high um and such an honor in my performing career but yeah there's sadness there's sadness that you know there there were some cool things coming down the pike of course because of this career high um like i like i said like things that i had never thought would ever come to be that like we're all like coming into clarity into focus and and then it just went dark you know and but but it's okay. Like that, that is okay. I, I, my voice is not going anywhere. Of course, we're all getting older. We are all going through life and, you know, we're, there's a, there's days that I'm like, wow, I'm losing time. But then it's like, no, it's okay. You know, let that go. Let that thought go. Like, it's okay. You know, we are living day to day. I'm healthy. I'm safe. I have a roof over my head. It's just like, you know, this, this time has brought into focus, like what really matters. So there, there's a, there's an array of emotions, but, but no, I, I, there was a time that I was thankful for the rest. I was sad. I was grieving about our industry, like much like many of us are. And then there are days that you just find other avenues and creativities, but then there are other days that you're like, oh my God, I don't know. That was a crazy answer, but it's an amazing question. No, it's a great answer for for a hard question. But I think what you totally hit on was the fact that you got it in and you did it yes. and you ended it because there are so many people and friends that we have that were about to make their Broadway debuts or about to do something. And then all of a sudden it was like totally taken away from them and they never got that moment or yeah. their show closed or, you know, so yeah. it's kind of like you had your experience, you got to put like a punctuation mark at the end of it and then and then this all happened. Yes. So I think, you know, looking at that positive is is important. Yeah, I was so lucky in that regard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's just get it out of the way and keep talking about <laughs> Wicked just because we're talking Sorry. about it. We can like go back and like talk about other things. But let's just talk about the beginning of it. I mean, I kind of want to hear the audition story, you know, I, and, and you can go into the details or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever is interesting or important. Like, did you know the casting director before this? Was this your first time going in for Wicked? How many auditions did you have? Mm -hmm. Just kind of stuff that maybe like other girls who are hovering around this part or this show or mm -hmm. even wondering how like a big, how you get a show like this. Yeah. I'm honored to to tell the story. And but let me let me say like every process and every journey is so 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 different. I auditioned for Wicked in my early 20s and um that was when um Andrew Feminella, a casting director who is no longer at Telsey and Company, but he was at Telsey and Company for many years. He saw me in something, I think, or he had heard of me and so he brought me in in my early 20s. Um and I'm 31 now. And I did not get a callback. It was just like a pre-screen and like nothing. So fine, fine. Life goes on. You know, other wonderful gigs come along. And then I do um, Renaissance off-Broadway. 
And Vincent, you were so brilliant. Thank you so much. My goodness. Thank you. I played Vincent and that character like has a song literally within like the first five minutes of the show. That's just like a literal, it's like, if, if Wicked is jazz, like Renaissance was like modern dance version of Wicked. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it was like so wacky and weird and like, dare I say like, artsy, just, you know, it was out there. It was out there. And so, but I, Craig Burns came to see the show. And I think that was a, you know, you ask if I knew the casting director. Of course I knew of Craig Burns. I, I, I think he knew of me, but, um, that, that was a cool way to, to introduce myself to him, certainly in a show that, that meant so much to me. So he saw me in Renaissance and actually then he cast me in a workshop where I played sisters with Shoshana Bean and Bonnie Milligan. But then like a couple weeks later after like that workshop and the performance of that workshop, um, I got an audition for Wicked and it was like the beginning of February, 2018. Uh, No, I'm so sorry, 2019. And I don't know what year it is anymore. It literally doesn't matter. (laughs) But anyways, it was the beginning. No one does. Truly. It was the beginning of February and I went in, I did the, um, the scene with Fierro with the lion cub. I did the end of wizard and I, and I did, um, define gravity, the end of define gravity, which is like the standard alphaba material for the audition. They also have you do the scene with Glinda, what they call the fallen house scene where, um, you know, it's in act two and it's, you know, they fight, they have like a a heated moment and a very heated moment, but I didn't even do that scene. I literally just did the, the lion cub scene, end of wizard and I and end of defying gravity. They filmed it. And then I went out and of the room and I, and I remember going to a friend's house and just kind of like letting it go and being like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know if they liked me. I don't, I think, I think I did. Okay. But you know, the thing with, the thing with auditioning for Alphaba, I even joked about it like the first time after the first time I auditioned for Alphaba, it's like you sing the end of Defying Gravity and like, how are your, how are your arms not up at the end of that song? You know, (laughs) but you're in a fluorescently lit room with like the lowest ceilings and your arms are up and it's just like, no lighting is different. Like people are behind a desk, you know, it's just, you're just like there. And it's almost like that shot of people at the end of a musical number, just like panting, you know, in like silence and like, no one is applauding. You know what I mean? It's one of those yes. like, ah, cool. Okay. You know, so it's always one of those weird moments after you like audition for Alpha Bun and particularly sing defying gravity and like no one is clapping like we are silent afterwards and like you're gonna get a thank you and like then you leave you know it's just such a dynamic moment met with like such calm quiet reception basically so it's weird but yeah I left basically not not knowing and then did they give you like adjustments did they have you do it again or it was just like you did the material and you left she gave me an adjustment on the lion cub scene Mm-hmm. And and I did it, and then I left. So I so I did the scene twice. And did you know? Were you aware of what you were auditioning for? I mean, obviously you knew no. what you were auditioning for. No. Did you know if it was like no the Broadway replacement, the tour replacement? You knew it wasn't a standby. You knew it was to play the role. I actually or? had no idea. I had no idea. And wow. of course, in my head, you know, because we've had friends go through this. You know, M. K. Morrissey. Like we we know what 
like the journey. It's a journey to Wicked and it's a journey to Alphaba and and as it should be, as it is such a difficult role and it is a mountain. You are climbing Everest literally every single time you play that role. Mm-hmm. And so no, to answer your question, I did not know. And I, and I, I of course was thinking of the system of wicked. You know, I said, I said to myself before I went in, like, this would be cool, but, and I know if, if, if this goes on, I will be going on the road. I will be doing, you know what I mean? It's just a journey. Mm-hmm. And like I said, as it should be. So I auditioned early February, I was literally sitting in my house on a Monday, literally by myself. And I remember getting an audition for six. And I was so captivated by six, but I also was just very conflicted about six because I am not a dancer. Like put me in like Joni Mitchell, the musical, like not, like I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I can of course dance, but I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I I was wanting to be in it, but I was having so much trouble picturing myself doing that. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't, it just, it was it was complicated, and so I remember I was going back and forth in my head, and I was like, "Oh God, I don't, I just, I'm, I, I, I don't know." And that was earlier on in the day, and then around five o'clock, I get a I get a call from my agent, and he said, "I'm going to loop in Ted and Rachel, who are my managers," and um, he was like, "You are going to play Alpha on Broadway in the spring." And I was like, I was like, I'm gonna go jump on my window. <laughs> You're not gonna fly. There's no cherry picker out no, there. No, 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 no. I'm just gonna jump. No, I mean it was it, like, and then fly because like I have powers now. I guess you know what I mean. It just was like the craziest. It was the craziest day, you know, it was just like such an actor day, you know, like, like I was fretting about something, and then like I get a call that like literally changes my life. It was. You know, and and yeah. How long after that audition did you get the offer? A week. Yep, a week. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> yeah. And your agents, who are my agents, yes, yes. they they have many alphabas. You know, they have a lot of incredible yes. um, women that have gone through the. You know what you call what you said. It's like the wicked pipeline, yes. alphaba pipeline. And so I have to imagine they were a little bit like. You're just doing it. You're the first girl to ever make her Broadway debut playing the full-time role of Alphaba, never having done it before. Like that's wait you know, a that's second. Never happened before. Was it did it happen with Lindsay Mendez? It may have happened with Lindsay Mendez because I think she did Dogfight and then she had been on Broadway before. Ah. Uh, she had done Grease on Broadway. Uh, she had done uh, um, uh, uh, yes. Everyday Rapture on Broadway. So she she did Cold Open as Alphaba, but not for her Broadway debut. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did Cold Rachel Open. Tucker. <laughs> I love Cold that. I'm, I, I feel like I'm a, like a little bit of a, um, I don't know, what do you Alpha call it? aficionado. Alpha aficionado. Rachel, um, Rachel, what's her name? People who are listening. Tucker. Like, Rachel Tucker. No, Rachel from Mad TV. Very funny. One of the first Alphabas. Oh. Um, she also Cold Opened on Broadway. I'm going to edit it in right here what her name is. Okay. (laughs) Listeners, I'm talking about Nicole Parker. I couldn't be more off. I don't know why I thought it was Rachel. She, but she had done the Martin Short musical on Broadway. So like, I don't know, it Mm. it had never happened this way before. Wow. I didn't know that. I did not know that, Ravi. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And so I just have to imagine, obviously, all of your representation were like just over the moon for you and just 
super excited and like it just was big you yeah. know it was a it was a big thing it was it was a big thing it was an unbelievably big thing truly like unbelievable what that doesn't happen you know that just doesn't happen yeah. until it does and like oh my goodness you thank your lucky stars you can't believe yeah. it and then just talk about maybe you maybe don't even remember i don't know but that night that opening your opening night your broadway debut what was it like i don't know like can you put it into words i mm-hmm. snuck yes i can a ticket at the last second um and i was able to be there i know i know i know you sweetheart and i was like so i mean emotional for all of us that were there but um but what was what was it like Oh my goodness. Honestly, like really. You yeah. Don't have to, um, no, no, no. You, know, you don't have the rose colored glasses, no. my Broadway debut, anything. Like, what honestly <laughs> was it like? The scariest night of my entire life. I'm sorry to say that, but that's just real. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have a moment that, that a dear friend, Melissa Rose Hirsch, who's an icon in her own right, um, total icon. Total, but. I, you know, I tell her, I told her the story and, and it has stuck with her, like how, you know, before Alphaba, Alphaba has her suitcase and she's backstage and the doors open and, and you run down, you run down that stage to arrive at Shiz. And I just remember on my opening night, swinging that suitcase, being like, have fun, girl, just have fun. But it is such a cannon you are shot out of. It is just a cannon. And oh my God, I'm... <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting like, I don't know. I'm having like a a visceral reaction even talking about it. Honestly, Robbie, it was, Alphabo was so many things. And although a huge pinnacle and a huge accomplishment that night was, it brought about um, a a pressure and a stress um, that was really, really overwhelming. Like very, of course, it was joyous. And, and I, you know, I appreciate you being like, be real about this, be real about this answer because the rose colored glasses answer for those of, for those listening, like who have not been on Broadway and whose dream it is to be Alphaba. And you know, that, that is, that is an amazing dream. And it was my dream too. And I fulfilled it and I got to live it and I'm so lucky. And oh my Lord, there's not enough words to express my gratitude there's other realities to the experience as well. And so I appreciate you asking about that because the answer is it was the scariest night of my entire life because it's not like you're originating a role and you can do whatever the hell you want. You are playing Alphaba in Wicked in its 16th year and your mom is out there and the people you love. And, you know, like, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but like, you know, there are certain performers who like never want to know when people are there because they're in their head. And that is me. Like, that is me. I never want to know who I need to not disappoint, if that makes any sense. You know, I just, Mm -hmm. I care. I care. I've of course had to relinquish that care for what people think, you know, in so many situations in my life. And I do think that's a really good thing to keep in mind just to not just to do you and that's a, that's a thought that i had to adopt doing alphaba being me like just trusting what i do but certainly on that opening night oh my god there was just a need to fulfill the expectation of alphaba you know which is like an insurmountable expectation it's just it's crazy you know she's such a special 
girl and and she goes through such a special journey that's that's very close to many people's hearts so it's you know you don't want to fuck it up you don't want to fuck it up because it means so much to so many people excuse my language but you know you you get it you get it you, you know i know you know what i mean yeah, it's it's an amazing role, but also the part means so much to so many people yes. who feel different, who feel alone, who feel I'm sure you got fan mail messages yeah. from people that like wildly connect to this role. And yes. so you don't want to disappoint them. It's so many things. Wicked's also a billion dollar company. So you are standing on that stage, like representing a billion dollar company and people, you know, it's I can say it to you now because you're not doing it anymore, but like people spend $400 on a ticket, yes. you know, and yes. they fly from Idaho to um, Taiwan. To the show. Taiwan. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Russia, like they're coming in yes. from Guam this Christmas <laughs> to see me. <laughs> and we should go to Guam to see them. Honestly, truly, they deserve it. They deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so, so special and just, and very cool. And I appreciate you saying, you know, what that feels like. You know, that, that it was scary because I think people just think, oh, if I can only do this, then I'll be happy. Or if I can only get this, then it will feel this way. And, and I think it's people that have been there that have a bit of a platform that are like you that are able to say that, that, that is, that is humanizing. And I also feel like other people have said, whether it's Broadway or not, it's a stage and there's lights there and it feels a lot like you know, what's the difference when you're actually doing it? This is not a question. I just think a hypothetical, mm. like what's the difference between Broadway and doing a show like on a national tour somewhere, like maybe on a stage that's even more beautiful, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. kind of like what, what you, um, obviously the paycheck is the difference, but, but um, I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like people hype it up to be your Broadway debut is going to feel like something because you're going to be on a Broadway stage, but maybe it also just feels yeah. like being on another stage like, you know, yep. or yes, or can be scarier. Thank you. Thank you for, for, you know, expounding upon that because I think what, what people associate with Broadway debut is like reaching a pinnacle of like such pride and accomplishment and fulfillment. You know, I think that's what falls under the umbrella of definition of defining what a Broadway quote unquote debut is. Um, but for and it me, it is those things that you said. It's all those things. But for me, mm -hmm. it is all those things. For me, Renaissance was that mm. because that was a New York, that was a New York debut in an original role, which was, I mean, and of course, Alphaba is an original role, but, but you are not the first person to play Alphaba, you know? So it's just, it, it's a different, it's a whole different level of artistic fulfillment and gosh for fear of sounding like so, oh my God, I don't know, eye rolly, but I just, that's what I'm after. You know what I mean? Like I, I lost money doing Renaissance, but I do not care. I would have never traded that experience in for anything because that's, I don't know, that's the type of art that I want to, that I want to do. And of course, Al Alphaba and Wicked is artistic, is so artistic, you know, but it's in a different way. It's just different. And and the expression of the experience is different too because you have mm -hmm. to do it in the way that you have to do it and that those rules did not apply in Renaissance. And so there was just that level of fulfillment and joy and wild abandon that, that people hope 
they feel during their Broadway debut. And some absolutely do and some don't and that's okay. And But no, no, I, I, I couldn't feel that with the alphabet debut because there was just so many rules and marks, rules to follow, marks to hit, people to please, mm-hmm. you know, and, but that is commercial theater and there is a beauty to commercial theater and Wicked was a weird art house play once as well, you know, 16 years ago. So, and Adina Menzel got to bring it to life and she did not have to hit any marks that she didn't want to and she didn't have to fulfill any or follow any rules or anything like that she fucking made alphaba you know and so that's the freedom that's the artistic freedom that that i want to accompany like a debut or you know what i mean yeah that you created it it's original it's free and it makes sense like if you're the ceo or producer of a billion dollar company wicked and all of a sudden idina menzel comes and does this thing wins a tony award for it you're like i don't want to mess with the ingredients it works you know, it worked. So I think that's probably also why things are very specific in a certain way. Yeah. And, you know, while we're on the subject, I want to talk about this is not the first time that you've come in for a Tony Award winning performance in a show that was already that you were being put into. This was the second time you've had to be put into a quote unquote machine to a performance that had won a Tony Award, which was Hedwig. So do you feel like it was similar in that there was uh, marks to hit, people to please, less creative freedom, or was Hedwig a bit of a different experience with that? God love you. You make me feel wonderful. Um, yes. Oh, It's my God. true though, right? No, like, it's yes. Go, yes, yes. A Tony Award winning, coveted, I don't want to mess with the... Um, you know, did you feel like the people at Hedwig didn't want to mess with the ingredients either or? Luckily, two different beasts. Wonderful mm-hmm. question. I was first replacement on that production's tour. Um, Rebecca Naomi Jones was was the replacement on t- uh, on Broadway for Lena Hall. But then Lena did it on Open the Tour um, and then mm-hmm. I replaced her. And so, but, but it was just a shorter amount of time. It hadn't been in existence for as long. You know, I, I, Wicked was 16 years. This production of Hedwig was like three, you know, all in all, Mm -hmm. um, from like start of rehearsals for Broadway to, you know, like when I started, when I started rehearsals, probably. And you were the third girl to do it. Not like. The, six, know, the 16th girl. Exactly. Yeah. You know, on Broadway, that is. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, like the 8 millionth girl. You know what I mean? So many iconic women have played Alphabet. Yes. So, but I certainly, I certainly was shadowing such an icon, Lena Hall, and, and someone who had absolutely, you know, made her mark on that role. I praise Lena and thank her so much for formulating that track she is a dancer as well as the incredible actress that she is and singer that she is but she's a dancer too and so she just like she created a dance for Yitzhak every every night she did it you know and it was the same dance because you were Oh my God. There were marks to hit with Yitzhak, but there was more freedom. Um, but Yitzhak brought about its own challenges in that it was an, it, you were stepping into an abusive relationship every night. And so that just brought a tonality to the, to the job and to the endeavor that was dark. You know, like I remember after, 
after performances of Hedwig, I would like go back to my hotel room in whatever city we were in, and I would watch like Anne of Green Gables on Netflix because I was like, <laughs> I was like needing light, fluffy shit, you know? Because it was like being a beauty, you know. I mean, Hedwig ends in such a euphoric, amazing way, but it doesn't. You get, you know, Yitzhak is like totally abused every single night and is having to, oh my god that is having to wrangle chords and play the tambourine and then catch Hedwig's mic and move this stand there and that stand there and then do the egg shaker and then climb over the car and provide the wigs. And, you know, it was just, it's nuts. It's fucking. Climb over the car, provide the wigs. (laughs) Literally like that was during, during um, Wig in a Box, that song Wig in a Box, like Yitzhak is climbing over the car to provide the wig from stage <laughs> left, from stage left to then go like dance behind Hedwig. I mean, it's just wacky. Like, and I ended that number. Wait, no, I don't. Yeah, I think I ended that number. No, I didn't end that number on the car. I ended Sugar Daddy on the car. Fucking nuts. It was amazing. It was amazing, but it brought about different challenges. Um, but no, I certainly felt I felt more of a freedom. I mean, but that that show was so special. It was directed so beautifully. It was designed so incredibly. Um, what a story to delve into. I mean, it's such a special story about the human experience and, you know, the way that the show starts out. You have no idea how it's going to end. And it was an incredibly enlightening experience in so many ways and and very different very different from mm-hmm. from wicked in that i wasn't i wasn't the lead i was a supporting role and that's a big difference ab- I think. absolutely right. yes absolutely you know when you're the lead it is it's so fulfilling and gratifying and you step on that ride and it's so much fun and then sometimes it is so scary and stressful you know, and, and with, Mm -hmm. and with Alphaba, it was hard. It was really hard sometimes. So just being what the mission and theme of the podcast is, can you just walk us through the, um, the Yitzhak audition? Do you remember like how you got that appointment and kind of what that whole experience was like? Cause that must've been somewhat of a unique audition because of the skill set and all the things needed for that part. And that for you was you had played some really big roles, but that was like one of your first, that was probably like the first big, big, big thing you did, like commercial. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a total break. You know, it was a total break. Absolutely. That was a cool audition process. It was at Ripley Greer first audition. I had, I think I had three, three auditions for that. So one initial and then two callbacks. And had you auditioned before, you know, Or was this your first time in? I had not auditioned on Broadway. This was my first time in. However, the casting director of this project, James Caleri, had cast me in a show called Harmony. And James Caleri, listen, it's who, you know, it's about connections in this industry. And you connected me with the man that has, that has been a champion of mine. So forever grateful. And so, yeah, he had cast me, James had cast me in a show called Harmony. And then um, when I was like 24 and then, you know, three, three years later comes and comes a call from him again for Hedwig. So, you know, it, it, it helps to formulate relationships with casting directors. And, and like I said, he has been a champion of mine um, for so many years. So, so. Was this a, an, 
And before you got that appointment, were you, did you see Hedwig and were you like, I want to play this role. I can do this. I want to get an appointment. Great. I got an appointment. Or was it like, whoa, I didn't even think of this. No, I absolutely knew about it. James had come to see the show Harmony when I was 24 that he had cast me in. And he was cat. He was currently casting Hedwig for Broadway. And, and so of course I expressed my interest in the show then, but like, I was not Lena Hall. You know what I mean? So like there was no chance in hell I was about to play that role. And, you know, every, like I said, every journey is different. So thank God I didn't play that role then. Like I, you know, my journey culminated in in other wonderfully gratifying things. So it did not come as a surprise to me. I knew about it. I absolutely saw it. Um, Oh my God. I mean, there's a story that I tell people, like I remember in the song Origin of Love, Michael Mayer directed it in such a beautiful way in this production where a scrim comes down and Hedwig is just like dancing behind the scrim where there's like gorgeous illustrated projections happening. And my God, when I was teching at the Pantages Theater in LA and I was behind that scrim, I was like, I'm behind the scrim. I'm behind the scrim. You know, it was one of those, like, I'm so lucky. This is so wonderful. You know, a very, very charming memory for me. And and certainly in that moment, just a charming moment. You know, it was, oh, it was awesome. So I did know about it. And so um, I went in and I got a call back and I, you know, you had to dress up. And I remember James, you know, being the champion of mine that he is. He called me and he was like, you need to put a sock in your, in your underwear. You need to wear you know, you need to like, you need to really commit to this look. Um, and so I had a friend of mine, like figure out the jean situation and like, give me like big socks. And, you know, because in the show I wore a piece, like I wore a penis. Um, it was like a silicone. It's like a cot cod. It's called a, like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, there's like in Shakespeare, like they call it like a cod piece or something. Well, I don't know. actually that's different though. I feel maybe because this is like, you can buy, like, we don't even have to get into it, but I did wear something. <laughs> I did wear, I did wear a penis and, um, oh my God, that penis literally just like went flying off. You know, there's such a quick change. There's a quick change <laughs> at the end of the show because Yitzhak is like finally able to like step into Kristallnacht, like this woman, you know, this, his, his drag persona, like who's just this glorious butterfly. Um, but I remember, you know, there was a local dressers in each, in each city helping with that crazy quick change into like, from like my Yitzhak outfit to like a Katy Perry costume. And literally I remember the, I remember my pants came off and the penis just went flying in like the local dresser's face. It was so nuts. That's nuts. And there was no time to be like, I'm so sorry. Like that was alarming. I, but like, you know, no time. There was, I mean, that quick change was like a minute. Did you see it on Broadway? Yes, you saw it. I did. I did. I saw it on Broadway. And then I came to see you in some weird place in like New Jersey or Connecticut or something. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you come to these things, honey. I'll come until your funeral. I'm coming to him until it's your funeral. Oh my god, it's so funny. So okay, so you go in with the fake so penis. Came in, came in with this, this. Yes, came in to the audition, the last audition, with and actually, like I remember, I remember waiting for the elevator, and the elevator opens up, and out comes MK Morrissey, mm-hmm. like dressed the, in the people you know. 
Oh yeah. my God, the icons, you know what I mean? Like the icons auditioning for this role. And so I saw her, you know, out, we were passing ugh, this industry is so crazy. So, you know, that was cool. And I saw Jenna Rubai as well up there. And like, you know, we're just like, hey, hey. And like, she like has a mustache. <laughs> she has a mustache. I am like about to go draw on my mustache. You know, I mean, it's just, it's real. It's real. Um, but then like, I had to go in with an accent as well, like a Russian accent. And um, yeah, like Croatian, I think. Yeah. It sucks from Croatia. And so wacky. I mean, you know, it was awesome though. John, John Cameron Mitchell was not there, but um, I've heard of like stories that he, you know, when he is in the audition room, it was, you know, he's, he's a riot, but yeah, it was just so cool. You know, there were, I was in a, the last audition for Hedwig was like in a sound stage. You know, I had, I stood up like on a stage and like there was two guitarists and like, they just, you know, they simulated a rock band experience a bit, you mm-hmm. know, certainly not to the scale of the show, but like they, they gave you the space yeah. to play in as if you were Yitzhak, which, which was super cool. And I, it was certainly, you know, when auditioning, I trust the, the feeling I get, not always, but a lot of the time I trust the feeling. And, you know, just when it feels so right, you feel, you know, you booked it kind of, you know, that it doesn't happen often, but I just remember singing Midnight Radio, the ending song of Hedwig in that audition. And I was like, this feels right. I just, I get, I get him. Yitzhak, that is, you know, I get him and my Mm -hmm. voice feels so free and good on this material. So, you know, it just fit. And then... And you got it. And then I got it. And then I got it. And I was on tour with a rock band at age 27. So that was like, you know, the tw- it was like, thankfully I didn't die. So I'm not part of the 27 club. But, you know, the 27 club, I feel like it's like so iconic rock and roll, just like artist. You know, that club is just so, I don't know. So I've just always been like, it was cool that I was like 27 on the road with a rock band of guys. And the girl that I, you know, that I really loved who was on tour was um, my dresser, Antoinette, and she had been the dress dresser on Broadway. Like a lot of the people from the Broadway production came on tour because they just loved it so much. So that kept a really great energy um, mm-hmm. through the through the tour. Lucky to know these people for sure. They were they were just awesome. Such musicians, such different different types of souls than theater souls, you know, which which was so cool to be around. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I love everything that we've just been talking about. I mean, it just like keeps spiraling. I want to for people and it's hard because I know you so well. So it's like, I don't need to ask you like the questions, the things that I already know, but I want other people to hear some of the things that I know. Absolutely. Um, So I just want to talk like briefly about your path. Let's back up and like get to how you got to Yitzhak and Elphaba. So yes, I grew up in upstate New York and there was a really great community theater scene there. And so my mom really encouraged my sister and I um, to, to involve ourselves in that. And that was so wonderful to be a part of growing up. Um, and even my dad was, was in Annie, was in a production of Annie, but I did The Wizard of Oz. I did Sound of Music. Um, just a lot of great shows growing up. And then my family moved when I was around seven to more of like the capital region. We were in like Western upstate New York and then moved towards the capital region, like Albany area. 
And um, I was lucky enough to be in a school system that had an excellent music program, drama program. So I was always involved in the different choirs, drama club in the fall, which did like straight plays. And then we did a musical every spring and every single year I was involved with that. And then, yeah, I auditioned to like, for like 11 schools, I remember. Oh my goodness. And we, we knew of each other on that <laughs> college board, college confidential. Um, and oh my God, shout out. So, so yeah, then, then I just got such a great feeling at Syracuse, both times that I had visited and, um, auditioned there. And I, I really just trusted that feeling. I trusted that gut impulse of just the fact that Syracuse was the right place for me. I loved the facility. I really liked the professors that had spoken at the, you know, prospective students day and my auditions just got a really good feeling. And, and it turns out that feeling was right. And I am forever thankful for Syracuse because it, this industry and really life and every industry, it's about who you know and who you love and who you want to work with. And, you know, not who you know, and like, it's about how you're slick with others. It's like, it's about who you know and love. And it's about who you want to work with. And like, look at us right now. You know what I mean? Like fast, like rewind to that first day of Syracuse, you know, it's like, and here we are now today, connecting once again, still connecting, still present in each other's lives and cultivating our talents together. And, you know, it's like, that is what Syracuse breeds. Syracuse breeds such unique souls and souls who believe in each other and want to continue to work together, which I don't think exists in every single program. Of course, mm -hmm. no program is without its flaws, but I loved my experience at Syracuse. I really did. And, and of course, our conversation today is a testament to Syracuse and the bonds and relationships and the creative connections that it forms. Yeah. I love what you said just like quickly because yeah. it's so big and I talk about it on the podcast and other people do too, but like, you know, the networking and the um, relationships and it's who you know and all of that. It's so true. Yes. I mean, so rarely do we, I mean, we kind of said this before we started recording, but like, do you walk into a room and book a role without knowing someone in there? without yeah. knowing the casting director or without having someone seen your having seen you in something, you know, it, it, it's all these little breadcrumbs and these little seeds that you plant like along the way that evolve into, you know, sometimes it's years later that they turn into something. Yes. Um, but, you, but you kind of never know. So you never know. You never know what's going to transpire and what's going to happen out of something. Yeah. And, and I think people get like freaked out about the word networking, but it's about like genuine, it's about being genuine yeah, yeah. And, and not just reaching out because you want something, but, you know, saying something to someone because you're a fan or you like love their work yes. or, or because you're just friends with them. And then because you like the person and then regardless of the relationship and the business that they have, it's about just, I think, genuine connection. And I think that takes the weight off of like, oh, I have to network. I have to do this. It's like, well, actually just be yourself and yes. like the people who you're going to like and also just be like a nice person because it's the same thing. It's a reciprocal relationship. Absolutely. Yes. The, the reciprocation is the indicator of creative progression. 
It's going on the website. <laughs> Honey, that was the hope when I was formulating that quote. I was like, I really hope he puts this quote on the Instagram. <laughs> no, oh, it will. No, it but, will. but do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's it's exactly what you're saying. I'm just trying to articulate it and 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 validate what you just said because it's exactly right. As you're as long as you're genuine and enjoying the reciprocal creativity and respect and support, like you're golden. You know, you're golden. Yeah. It also takes some of the weight off. It's like, you yes. don't always have to find people or network. It's like also just be a kind, interesting person and people will be drawn to you. Yes. And then all of a sudden here are all these people. Yes. And also like, and also being kind to yourself and knowing that you don't have to work on everything and you're not going to be best friends with everyone and you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea and not everyone is going to buy what you sell. And that's okay because there are those out there who will buy what you sell and who will support you and who will be reciprocating, you know, your love to back to you, you know, and, and support and interest. And, you know, it's just not going to happen everywhere. And like, that's okay. But once you do find those people, keep cultivating that and keep respecting those relationships and like beautiful things will come of it. I mean, like I said, today is a testament to that. My work with Range Acapella is a testament to my, my connections at Syracuse. I mean, and, and just friends loving each other, supporting each other and wanting to create together. And that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, I think about the people that I hope to work with after this pandemic and like Alex Lacamoire is, is like, the one that I want to work with again and again. And again, I've worked with him before and I love him so much. Like he, and Carmel Dean is another one, you know, it's just these people that I'm like, I will walk to the ends of the earth for you. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, those are, those are two people that are not in Syracuse, but they're examples of, of people that I've met outside of Syracuse in my professional life that I'm like, mm -hmm. you are a gem of a human being and you're amazing at what you do. And that is just the best concoction. And like, let me be in a room with you no matter what, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, and totally. that's, and that's what I, you know, for this podcast and, and what we're trying to, the messages that we're trying to, to say, that is truly one of my, one of my messages and mantras, you know, just work on the things that you want to work on. And, and of course, if you're lucky enough, but work on the things you want to work on with the people you want to work on them with, you know, and don't, don't suffer in other situations. You just don't need to, um, unless mm -hmm. you like need to pay your rent and, you know, all of the, the logistical things of life mm -hmm. fulfill those needs, but it's, it's art. It's art. It should be joyful. Right. Totally. I'm on. Totally. We're on the tangent of all tangents. I love tangents. I love tangents. I just want to, um, because I don't want to like take up all your time in the whole world. No, Although, not like, at all. I will You're always fine. take up all your time in the world. I just want to finish up the. So you go to Syracuse. Yep. Sorry, oh, I'm so. You graduate and you decide to go to Chicago. So Syracuse is extremely fulfilling. I graduate a semester early. I save up some money and I visit you guys at the Tepper semester, which is incredibly formative semester that you guys did. Mm -hmm. I did not do that, but I rather I went home, I saved money, I moved to Chicago and I immersed myself in the musical theater scene there. They have a really excellent non-equity scene, which I was at the at that point in time. I was not part of the actors union yet. Um, and so basically my pursuit there was like, 
infiltrate myself infiltrate no <laughs> like, <laughs> that sounded so scary and all of a sudden, I liked it. um you know immerse that's the better word immerse myself within that community and i'm so thankful i did i have i have amazing best friends from chicago who are so cool and so kind and um yeah, I, I value that time immensely. So I, I immersed myself into that theater scene, kind of with the hopes of something equity taking me out of Chicago or taking me to New York or, you know, I just, I, I was keeping my options open. But in the meantime, putting myself in a community that would give me work because I was a singer actor. I wasn't a dancer. I wasn't about to be on Broadway in a chorus right out of school. Like I just was not, that was not my path. And I knew that. So I went to Chicago, had incredibly formative experiences there at at multiple theaters I was lucky enough to work at. And then I got, and then I met James Caleri with you mm-hmm. when we saw David Cromer's production of Rent with one of our best friends in it, Luke Wygodney. And, um, and so that, that was the night that I was introduced to James. And so fast forward a couple months from there, from that night, and James gets in touch with me and says, can you go on tape for this musical, Harmony? So I, I got a self-tape. And then before I knew it, I was flying out to New York for a callback. I booked that. And that job took me out of Chicago. And it was a, it was a, quite a quick turnaround. I think it was like I, I from that call, I was like out of Chicago within a month, I think, which was crazy. And that was the moment that I got my representation in New York. Um, James helped me get a couple meetings with agents who like, you know, whose, whose clients at the time lost the job to me. So they were like, who is this girl? We, mm-hmm. we need to take her money. No, I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, they were like, who is this girl? You know, maybe, maybe we could have a good working relationship. And, and that's what led me to work with the agency that I'm still with today. And, you know, they've, they've provided incredible opportunities for me. And, but from that point, you know, from, from when I got Harmony, that was years of regional gigs and off-Broadway gigs. Um, I understudied off-Broadway twice in a play at uh, Theater Row. And then I understudied Megan McGinnis in Daddy Long Legs, which was an amazing experience. I love that show. At the Davenport and- Theater, which I know very well. Yes, you too, Afterglow. Yes, you too. <laughs> oh my God. So fun fact, fun fact. In the theater, in the black box that you performed Afterglow in, I learned how to roller skate because I lied in my audition for Hal Prince for the band's visit and said that I knew how to roller skate. I booked the job for the workshop and then I had to learn how to roller skate and I roller skated <laughs> in, in circles in that in that theater that you did after going. I mean, because that, you know, right off of that theater, which your dressing room dressing rooms probably were we were in those dressing rooms too the standbys anywho my god new york such a crazy world and now we're such new yorkers because now that's not even a theater anymore i know i know i know the davenport doesn't like it doesn't exist oh we both had really formative experiences (laughs) there which i love on 45th street yes schmackeries the death of me um the death of me the death of me cookie shop cookie shop from hell but like from heaven you and then so you get these agents and then that's I mean it just and then so then kind of the next big thing that happened was was Hedwig of course like you said you know that was a mm-hmm. huge thing that was like a, and and it was a break it was a huge break and um, 
And then I came back and I kind of just like vowed to myself that I would stay in the city for a little bit. By a little bit, I mean like permanently because I was like, I just, I want to be here. I want to, I want my face to be in those audition rooms. I want to, I just want to be here. You know, I want to make my presence known. But of course, with that decision, sometimes comes radio silence. And that's extremely humbling because you're like, okay, all right, what do I do? But it was a beautiful time because my music came out of that. You know, my original music came out of that time of like, what do I do? How do I express myself? And how do I exercise my artistic control? And that was what I did, which was a beautiful thing. I mean, I wasn't, I certainly wasn't making money. So that's a little scary, but you know, it was just a time where I was like, I want to be here. Um, and of course, you know, I auditioned for so many things and no, 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 down the line until a yes came along for Renaissance and that the workshop of Renaissance that is. And so that, that came in and really touched my life immensely. And, um, Jack Cummings, the third, who's the artistic director of the transport group who produced renaissance the last day of the workshop he was so generous to us all he said you know we are doing this production in the fall and you all will be in it um now of course life gets away with everyone and that cast didn't end up being the complete cast that actually did it off broadway but you know i just to know to have Mm -hmm. that to have had that generosity offered up um the generosity of of giving giving the actors an offer, being transparent, being supportive to actors, you know, because oftentimes actors are just the, you know, it, it sometimes feels like we're low on the totem pole, you know, and we will mm-hmm. go, we will go with whatever the decision of the director or producer is. And, but it was, like I said, it was extremely generous that Jack Cummings, you know, told us that we were going to continue on with the piece and we did and I did. And, um, it, like I said, it, it brought about such fulfillment and such memories and truly that feeling to bring it back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, you know, truly that feeling of a debut, an artistic mm-hmm. debut, you know, it was just amazing. Like James Lapine saw it. Janine Tesori saw it. Uh, Donna Murphy was front row, like, you know, in it. And I'm like, oh my God. I Like, I just, you know, heroes, heroes were in that audience. And I just was like, I mean, I remember the night that, you know, we started in the, we started in the aisles um, at the top of the show. And I remember seeing Michael Mayer in like the fourth row. And I just was like, this is, this is the coolest. I mean, you know, to, to be a part of something where absolute artistic, heroes to you are, mm-hmm. are about to pay you the respect of seeing you perform it's the best gift i love that i love that yeah. and i love like i love even through this chat just like seeing this like thread through your career of like oh this kind of happened because this kind of happened because this kind of happened because this kind of happened and yes. you're like building you know you're building on one thing and and then all of a sudden it becomes a body of work and it becomes a career and you know, it kind of started, you know, I think you would have found success anyway, but you met James in a bar after a show. Because you know, of you. And like, because of you. Well, yes. Because, yes, you know, because but, of your, my friend's relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's, you know, that's something that Steven Sater said to me and when I, when I talked to him, he said, when, when I asked him the question that I'm about to ask you, mm-hmm. um, you know, what is one thing that you looking back in your early 20s, maybe when you first graduated, what is something you wish you knew? And Steven's answer was, I wish that someone told me to go out more 
and go to openings, meet people. Um, and that like really stuck with me, you know, as part of an actor, yeah, you have to go in and do your auditions and you have to, um, you know, be prepared and do the work. But part of it is also just being a human and like seeing your friends and seeing your friends work and then going, you know, not that you need to go out all the time, but but it is important to to meet those people and to have those relationships because then you got harmony and then you got your agent and then you know from your agent you got these wonderful things and moved to New York and then you got Renaissance and then Craig Burns saw you and you know it's yeah. just there's there's so many ways that you could have led to where we are right now into Alphaba mm-hmm. um, or it would have led a different wonderful way yes. you know but it's it's just interesting. Um, you know, the, the threads and the commonalities that we see between, uh, between other people's, other people's careers. So I'm just wondering that question, what is something that maybe when you, when we first graduated or when you were in Chicago, maybe something before you moved to New York, before you had the agent, before you had Harmony that you wish. And again, I get like, we need to learn things in our own time and and all of that, but, but what is something you're like, gosh, Hannah, like I would have, I would have told you this or like you, I would have reassured you, you know, this, or I would have, um, yes, yes. I, something, a thought that I have strengthened more and more over time. And I certainly would have loved to know back then is that you can trust yourself. You can trust that you're a vibrant, unique creature with so many things to offer as long as you stick to your guns and follow your heart and pursuits and keep honing your skills, like you're going to be fine. I mean, I guess, you know, like I just, I trust yourself, trust yourself and trust that you are enough. Mm-hmm. That, that, that is what I would love. You know, I would have loved to bestow on little Hannah and that I will always love to, say to anyone in this career, you know, and, and any young mind and heart embarking on the journey of performance, um, or artistry in any way, just trust, trust in you, trust, Mm -hmm. trust that you've got all that you need inside you. And, you know, trust that I'm talking to myself, like trust that you know what's best for you and you will make the right choice, you know, because this, this ladder, if you will, this journey, this like, you know, um, you're seeing it. We, you said like, I'm seeing it weave through like things weave through your career to, to create like a body of work. It's like, what has carried the ribbon through is my trust that I know what is best. And I, I will hold my best interest in mind and close to my heart and allow that to curate the journey. That's, that's something that I, I feel like I've learned from you specifically in our friendship and watching you professionally, but also as a person is we didn't even get to some of the stories that like, I just want to, you know, there, there are things, there are stories of you turning down really big auditions that you got for really big Broadway shows, especially earlier on in your career. And I was always like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't know that I would be able to do that, whether it's for the money or for the credit, or just, I don't know that I would be able to, whether it was a show that I didn't want to do or didn't feel like I fit in or that, you know, was the way that I wanted my path to go. I wouldn't trust maybe for myself that I could say no to those opportunities and to watch you, trust yourself, know yourself, know what's best for yourself 
and then and then because you didn't do that you another door opened up and you went through it that maybe you would not have you would not have had if you were committed in this really long running you know yeah production contract somewhere else yeah so i think that's incredibly unique and and important because as actors we just want to say yes yes oh hire me you know all the time but um but it's really about yeah checking with your checking with yourself and knowing that you know best yes yes and also knowing that each journey is different each Mm -hmm. journey is different and as Mm -hmm. the things that are going to carry you through your journey and just provide you a happy, fulfilling life is knowing yourself and knowing what's right for you. Totally. I do want to talk quick about, I love that you said, um, you talked about your music coming out of Mm -hmm. the time that you weren't working. And it was like, and as actors, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like when we aren't given those opportunities, like what comes out of us, right? Like, and at that time your music was coming out and it's still coming out and it's wonderful. But during the pandemic, something else has been coming out for you. Um, you know, in the time of not performing, there's artistry that we just, it's kind of like us as creative beings, if it can't come out on stage, it's going to come out some other way. And so, you know, we're going to like link out to it and everything, but I want you to talk about it because I think it's so cool and you're wildly also very good at this. Well, thank you. My goodness. I appreciate that so much. I think what you're alluding to is called the Rose House. Um, Yes. Yes. It's, it's this new, um, well, it's this new artistic fashion endeavor that I've embarked on. And um, women's clothing and women's fashion has been in my family, my mom's side of the family, for 95 years. Um, the store wow. is still upstate. It's called Mustler's Fine Women's Clothing. And it was, I mean, it was huge in like the 40s to like 70s. Um, and now it's, you know, kind of like more humble now. But it's still in Schenectady, New York. And I mean, it's 95 years old. You know, my grandfather's father opened it and my uncle is is still there. And, you know, it's a staple of, of the community. So the emphasis on women's clothing and fashion uh, has been in my family for a long time. And yeah, I just, you know, I when when examining what to do and where to go and what road to go down, this has seemed to ignite a creative passion within me that that's super exciting um design a a fashion line essentially what i would love to achieve with the rose house is a fashion house potentially a lifestyle brand out of that as well i joked to a friend i said like somebody just give me a storefront in hudson new york already and like let me go you know but it's interesting like i would love to still to still be immersed in the Broadway community. I cannot wait to see and and I'm hoping that that creative endeavors open up of course when when our world largely opens up again. But right now I've been having such a fun time curating this brand and this line and this fashion house if you will this this almost like museum because there's such an emphasis on art like I have a collaboration with an artist coming up that I'm super excited about excited about and I'm just kind of letting my passion run wild and seeing where it goes my boyfriend mm-hmm. Max he got me a sewing machine for my birthday and like I know how to sew now I mean it's crazy to to have adopted some of these hobbies that I have never 
had before um, because my hobby turned into a livelihood, which like, oh my God, goodness, thank the Lord that I'm lucky enough to have had my hobby and passion turn into a livelihood. But, you know, it, it left me kind of other hobby less, you know, so, so to be able to know how to sew now is just amazing. And then all of the creativity and inspiration and dreams that come out of that skill, that new found skill is, is very overwhelming in like a great way. And it's just, it provides joy. And I feel like right now that's what we're after. Whatever Mm -hmm. can bring our spirit ease, calm, joy, and fulfillment in whatever way you want to feel fulfilled. You know, there's certainly no pressure to like really get going. Cause like this time is not, it's weird. You know, it's, it's tough. So whatever works for you in this time, it's like, I'm all for it. And certainly I'm trying to cultivate that on my end too. Well, you're so good at it and I'm so proud of you. And I'm always obviously proud of my friends for all the performing jobs that they get and exciting opportunities. And, but there's like a special admiration and pride for the people that I love, like you, when they create something that wasn't there before you know, honey, same. And and you've done that a a few ways with range, but also with your music and Mm. with Rose House. And it's just, it's just very cool. And I'm very proud and excited for you. And thank you so um, much. I think that this pandemic sucks and this time is awful, you know, that, but with the industry, but I hope that there are some beautiful things that come out of this time, whether it's new musicals or plays or work, you know, but also for us, like new, you know, who knows if the Rose House would be ha- be happening right now without, without this. It and wouldn't. You never know what it's going to turn into, like, you know, thinking about that thread down the line. Like this is the beginning of something that, um, that I think we'll be able to trace back and, and be like, wow, it was 2020 during that wacko time. Yes. That, that this was born. And so I think that it's... And now I'm wearing a Rose House gown on the red carpet of the opening of your new show. (laughs) (laughs) We could only You know what I mean? Like, like, let's just secret that out. But I love you. I I appreciate those those really kind and encouraging words. It it means the world. Because, you know, it, it means so much to have my circle of supporters. And I think that's important for everyone. You know, it's, it's such a gift to have the support of loved ones. So thank you, man, Hannah, I could keep talking to you and I will. I know. Your funeral. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I love you. But for the sake of the podcast and the day and for my sweet dog right here, who needs me to take her out? Yes. um, Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Love you. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. And, and I just, you make me feel good about my journey and my life. So for that, my goodness, thanks for brightening my day and, and making me feel feel warm inside. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for supporting my creative endeavor and, and oh, chatting with me. And, you know, when I was talking to those Syracuse kids the other day, the first thing I said, I forget what question it was about or like, you know, what what's important at Syracuse or your success or whatever. And I said, my friends, like the people that I met there are some of my best friends today. And they were my friends through school and through life when I was like at my lows, but then also when I was celebrating my highs and having your tribe is probably one of the most wildly important things to have even in the business. Yes. So I love that we are still connecting and still friends and same always, always. I love you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. 
For more information on the podcast and our guests, visit thebreakdownpodcast.com and connect with us. Let us know you're listening on Facebook and Instagram at The Breakdown with Robbie. And again, if you like what you heard, help spread the word and make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for another episode of The Breakdown. Ah!